I can tell you're excited about spring and summer. You know, there's not many advantages of winter, but here's one of them is, at least for me, I get a break from watering the plants. So that's kind of cool. So I, I was in this rhythm last year. We, we had a bunch of plants. Uh, Beth is really good at buying these plants, and she got some... Um, <laughs> I didn't mean anything. There was no heat to that at all. Um, but uh, she, she got a lot of really nice plants for her birthday last year and, and or in 2020. And so now in 2021, I'm like, I'm going I'm to really um, love my wife by taking care of our plants, you know. So I, I got this morning rhythm. I got up in the morning, started the coffee, went to the back porch, you know, watered some plants. I had a big, like a big pitcher for the big plants because the water came out fast. And then I had this kind of dainty, cute little uh, water pitcher, if that's what you call it, that, that kind of sprinkled water on the fragile plants. And so did that on the back porch, came back in and poured the coffee, drank a little bit. Then I went to the front porch, you know, and then, and then cared for them and watered them and spoke blessings over them and did all of that. It was kind of systematic, and it took a lot of time, and then they died, because that's what annuals do every year. They die. You know, if you have annuals, they, they have more color, and they're longer, but it doesn't, have, it doesn't matter how much you care for them, or how much you love them, or how systematic you are, and how much you invest in them, those, those annual plants, they, they, they don't last. They don't last. And so this winter, you know, I'm enjoying some extra time, not worrying about those. You know, the Bible talks several times about the fragility of mankind, um, the temporal state that we're in by comparing us to flowers. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go to Psalm 37 here in a moment. Today, my, my teaching is called Living Above Envy. I started out you know, maybe putting something like eliminating envy, but come on guys, that doesn't happen. I mean, maybe for Jesus it did, but every single human being, not maybe it totally did because he was sinless, but every single human being has dealt with envy and you will deal with envy again. So that, that's just, that's just part of who we are in this world. So once we recognize that, the scripture calls us to live above envy, to where we're not staying down in the kind of miry pit of envy, but we're rising above to be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. So we look at Psalm 37, and it leads us to the first question. I'm going to give you five questions today, and I might only spend most of my time with the first question, so don't get nervous. Um, the first question is this, who do you envy today? So I want you to think about that. Who, who do you envy or who do you struggle? What type of person do you struggle with, with envy? And now we can take comfort that this song that was sung many, many hundreds of years ago, a few thousand years ago, lets us know that human nature is still the same. As much as the world changes, human nature is the same and God is still the answer to the parts of our human nature that we want transformed. He, God's still the answer. He is still the answer. And so the psalmist sung this in verse 1, Psalm 37, 1 and 2, says, do not be agitated by evildoers. Other versions say, don't fret. <laughs> don't envy those who do wrong. 
for they wither quickly like grass, grass and wilt like tender green plants. This idea of all of this energy we give or consumes us in envy towards others is just towards people like us who are temporal, who are not eternal, who are not immortal, and who won't last. We know simply that the people we envy, we don't know all the details of their lives. And so our envy is really misplaced. It's really kind of a waste of time. Because a lot of times we envy people, but we don't know what they're going through. We don't know who they really are. So it's really not about them. It's about us. Okay, what, what kind of people are you talking about? I'm talking about that cocky guy who got the promotion instead of you. I mean, you would think if God is real, he is so arrogant that God should not have given him that promotion. But it happens. And the Bible's telling you don't envy. The girl who never studies but aced the ACT. The person you do not respect, but got elected. The arrogant parent who brags about their kids all the time who are so perfect, but they never ask questions about your kids. The person who takes their marriage for granted while you wish you were single. The wealthy entrepreneur who oppresses the poor and accumulates more and more wealth. That's just a list of the prototypes of people that I know some of us have envied before. And the scripture saying to us today, don't do that because they're temporal. They're going to pass away. So don't envy that. Don't envy, envy the evildoer. Let's go to verse seven. We're going to skip three through six and we'll get back to three through six, but go all the way to verse seven. Be silent before the Lord. And I was so glad Pastor Aubrey without us you know, without us matching up the sermon and going through the details of it, he told us, just be quiet for a second. Just let's know who God is. And it applies here to the scripture. Be silent before the Lord and wait expectantly for him. And here's a key phrase to this scripture today. Do not be agitated by the one who prospers in his ways. Hey, it's happened to us all, hasn't it? We're like, how, how do they pull it off? How do they pull it off? Don't be agitated for the one who prospers in his ways by the person who carries out evil plans. Refrain from anger and give up your rage. Do not be agitated. It can only bring harm. Verse 9, for evildoers will be destroyed, but those who put their hope in the Lord will inherit the land. A little while and the wicked person will be no more. Though you look for him, he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will enjoy abundant prosperity. So here's, here's a question. And the question is, who's the evildoer? Like, who, who is the evildoer? Well, we don't really know. And that's why we shouldn't envy. So that's part of, we, part of this premise is God only knows who's really evil or who's really righteous. So I, I've done this before. There's been someone who just, they hit me the wrong way. I mean, they, I just didn't like their personality. Or maybe I even acknowledged something objective in their life that wasn't good. And so I, I quickly, in, my, in the past, I've been tempted to quickly attribute wrong motives to them or to categorize them or to write them off and to say, that guy or that lady, man, they're, they're not good. 
are, are there full of pride? Are they going to have a fall? And here's the deal. I've been right sometimes, but I've been wrong sometimes too. So sometimes, yeah, you are right. And you're like, you know, I see characteristics that over time have played out in that person's life and the fruit of those decisions have come into their life. I, I, I saw it coming and that happens. But probably just the equal amount of time I have misjudged someone and I've thought, oh, they're arrogant or they're just in it for the money or, or there's something shady about them or I wouldn't be surprised if they were doing this or doing that. But it ended up that, that maybe I just caught them on a bad day. Or, or may, and maybe I just saw a side of them that was very temporal and was just a moment. Or maybe I was just jealous and envious. And I kind of wanted to be like them or I wanted what they had. And so because they had something I didn't have, oh, there's something shady about them. There's something not right. We're, we're, we're kind of quick to go there. You know, and I've had, I've been misjudged a lot. You know, I don't like it. I don't like it, you know, when, when I find out people have made assumptions about me, and that doesn't feel good, but yet I do it to other people. So sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. You know who's always right? The Lord is always right. The Lord knows, and the Lord is a God of justice, and he's a God of vindication, but he's also a God of grace. And it's how that plays out in people's lives are up to the Lord. You know, because we have to give people space to mature too. You know, we got to realize like someone who really ticked me off 10 years ago may be completely different now, transformed by the power of God. Isn't it interesting how someone can just talk to us the wrong way and we hold it against them like a decade later? It lets us know, remember, you know, how important interactions are with people. But, but it also humbles us to say, Hey, let's, let's give people some space. Let's not be so quick to judge. And now, specifically, I'm talking here that this psalm is reflecting this envy because evildoers are prospering. But we don't always know if they're evildoers. I mean, I know we can judge the fruit. The scripture says that about false prophets. You can judge the fruit of their life. I understand that. But I also understand that that scripture says, leave the judgment up to the Lord. He's going to work all things out. Time will tell the story because God is the judge. And so the Lord is a God of vindication. And so he makes all things right. That's part of the story of him redeeming the the world. All things are coming and being reconciled by the Lord. He's not just coming again. That's great. The Lord's just coming again. But he's coming again to rule and reign the earth in justice and righteousness. And he's coming to vindicate, to make things that are hidden and wrong, right. And that promise and that understanding of who he is can put us at ease. And so if somebody who is arrogant gets promoted instead of us, yeah, it hurts and it's disappointing. But don't give up God because of that. I thought people like, I can't serve the Lord because I was working at this company for 20 years and some young guy came in and he's cocky, got the promotion. The Lord doesn't love me. That's not true because the story's not over. And in addition to that, though the Lord cares about our job and occupation and about the things that happen here on this earth, we've got a much longer story, don't we? Beyond our career, beyond the decades we breathe on this planet, we've got a story that extends into eternity. 
and our time here is so short. Like we can't even conceive how short it is. It's so short, yet here we are. Sometimes we give up on God for very, very immature reasons. Hey, let this psalm give you comfort today. Psalm 37 that's saying, hey, it's okay. Don't fret. Don't, don't, don't be upset when the wicked prosper. Don't, don't be upset. There's an alternative to that. So what do we do until the Lord vindicates? Like if we know somebody is cheating the man, somebody's got everybody fooled, somebody is really not a good person, we think, but they're prospering and, and the Lord's gonna get them someday. So what should we do between now and then? We should love them. That's what we should do. We should love the person that we're offended by. We should love the person who gets on our last nerve. Boy, that's tough to do. This is when the gospel actually means something. That person who who just rubs us the wrong way, we're called to love them in the way that is healthy for us and in the way that, that is expressing the heart of God. Because our gospel reading, you know, Jesus takes all of the teaching of the Old Testament and he, he takes it right down to our true intentions. In Luke chapter six, this is our gospel reading today, starting with verse 27. Jesus said these words, but I say to you who listen, love your enemies. Say what? what did, he, did he really say that? That's really in the Bible. Love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, verse 32, he brings up this great point. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. Part of being a Christian and and Christian maturity and really living out the Jesus life is, is learning these words that we read today in verse 27. Um, they're, they're part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. They're part of the Beatitudes. They're the greatest words that have ever been spoken to humanity. It was like God himself spoke these words because it was God himself who spoke these words. I read verse 27 again, and let's just put that back on the screen one more time. And I want to say, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, Lord, but. I don't see that in there. I say to you, Jesus, love your enemies. Do what is good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So my first question today, maybe it's the question, it's really the biggest question, who do you envy today? Who do you envy? The Lord's gonna vindicate. He's gonna make all right things wrong. And so what are you called to do? You're called to love that person. In whatever way is healthy for you, that might be just simply prayer right now. That might be simply this. Sometimes praying for someone can, can make us obsessed with that person. And, and so our prayer takes a different form. And that prayer can just be, I'm not gonna talk about them anymore. Like even when everyone's talking bad about them and I just I'm enjoying hearing the conversation. Yeah, I'm going to try to slip away from that. Man, easier said than done. 
But this, this is, guys, when we begin to live out these truths, that's when we start being that shining city on a hill that like, God's people are different. God's people are unique. God, God's people approach life so different. And I'm not there, but with the Lord's help, I'm going to get there. So don't envy, don't envy. Why should we not envy? Well, here's the second question. Who do you trust? We're going to travel backwards now back to verse three, but let's just read verse one, reread one and two into three again. So do not be agitated by evildoers. Do not envy those who do wrong for they wither quickly like grass and wilt like the tender green plants on Pastor Aaron's back porch. That's weird. I called myself Pastor Aaron. That just felt weird. So sorry about that. Just, just call me Aaron. I'm cool with Aaron now. I'm cool with Aaron. I, don't, I, don't need, I know I'm a pastor. You don't need to remind me. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do what is good. This is the alternative. Dwell in the land and live securely. When we're so tied up with envy, and we're so focused on someone else's prosperity or someone else's opportunity or someone else's good fortune or someone else's good luck, then we don't see the goodness of God in our lives. And this is one of, one of the challenges that we have generationally, that we've been, been told a lie, that we can do anything we want. That's a humanistic phrase. We can do anything God calls us to do. That's the, that's the difference. And he's called us to do sometimes tough things. Maybe he's called us to minister in places that are unfruitful. Maybe he's called us to care for someone who's handicapped. I want to tell you something. If you care for someone who's handicapped, in my estimation, you are a greater hero than anyone who can dunk a basketball or sing a song or dress the right way that makes the rest of the world envious. If you're, if you're called to, to do a job that you're not proud of at a class reunion, but that's the way God provides for your family. And that's the way God allows you to minister in your church or minister in your neighborhood. Then you approach that job with the dignity that God wants you to have for it and, and do it unto the Lord with all your heart. And he, he can anoint you in the kitchen and he can anoint you in the field and he can anoint you in the factory and he can anoint you in the assembly line and you can do great work for the Lord. And you don't have to imagine someone else's life. Oh, it must be nice for the, for the bosses have banker hours, 10 to two. I've had, I've had a lot of pastors who, um, who, well, I'm going to move on. Sorry. I was about to say something that was not cool. That was not cool. Sorry. It would have been funny, but the Lord would not have been pleased. So I'm moving on. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. So this leads to the second question in verse four, but here's a question first. Who makes you happy? Who makes you happy? That's question number three. Look at what verse four says. This is a, a, a verse a lot of you know. It's pretty common. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desire. 
Come on. Be people who are just really into the kingdom of God and to the works of the Lord in love with Jesus, in love with the things Jesus loves. Jesus loves church. Jesus loves covenant. Jesus loves community. Jesus loves service to the poor. Jesus loves sacrificial living. These are the things Jesus loves. And we want to love the things that Jesus loves. Lord, I take delight in you. Just like our call to worship, we take delight in your law, Lord. We're not those people who are trying to pick apart the law of God, trying to find workarounds, trying to marginalize it and say, oh, ancient wisdom's not current wisdom. Oh, ancient wisdom, you know, th- this scripture doesn't apply because this part of the Bible is strange. And, you know, we're, we're gonna work all of these workarounds uh, because, you know, the Lord's, the Lord's work really isn't that important. No, we delight in the Lord. Yeah, and, and when I see something in the Bible, you know, when I read my Bible, I, I, I'm reading it digitally and I highlight yellow stuff that like, pumps me up and gets me ready to go. And then there's stuff that I go, is that really in the Bible? And since it's early in the morning, I highlight that in pink to say, I'm coming back later to see what's going on. But I'm coming back later, not to disprove the Bible. I'm coming back later so that I can dig in and and see how the Lord is moving in these scriptures. And I'm not ignoring the hard parts, but the hard parts are pointing me towards inspiration that God used 40 different authors over 5,000 years to communicate one message. And that one message is God's redeeming the world and he's taking a world that is broken in sin and broken with injustice and broken with um, with all of the things that take advantage of people and he is raising our dignity and he's raising our vision and he's causing us to be people who reflect his love and glory and power and grace and these are the things I want to delight in that's what makes me happy hey I don't believe in your bucket list I don't believe in your bucket list. Now, I do believe in the millennial reign of Christ. You can maybe go, you know, go to Paris and, you know, go see your favorite team play. I don't know all that kind of stuff. That might work out. But you don't live for your bucket list. You, you may never go to Europe. You may never go to Australia. You may never climb the highest mountain. You may never get that sports car you want. And I'm going to tell you that's okay if your soul's in love with the Lord. Because what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but to lose his soul? Lord God, I present to you my bucket list. I I love those 87 years you gave me, Lord. It was so great. And thank you for the trade-off, Lord. These these 87 years, this trade-off of a bucket list. Listen, those things may happen. This is what I believe. If you delight in the Lord... If you go after the Lord, if you go after Jesus and his kingdom and his plan, you may find yourself in Paris. You may find yourself on the highest mountain. You may find yourself driving a nice car, but that's not the delight of your heart. That's not the goal of your faith. That's not, that, that's not what drives your heart like it used to because you take delight in the Lord and you take delight in him. And the things of earth don't matter as much. It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, I get to travel a little bit or I get to do, do this experience and I get to have this shared experience, but you, you're going to wither away and no one's going to remember when your grandkids die. No one will remember you anymore, but the Lord remembers you and the Lord knows, and you will be in eternity forever and ever and ever. And this is why we delight in the things of the Lord. It, it, 
concurrently, and that's what makes me happy. That's what makes me happy. Don't, don't let your happiness be, just be pay, based off, off earthly pleasure that's so fleeting. It's so dissatisfying. When you have an earthly goal and you reach that goal, and then it just is over. And, and was, it, was it really worth it? If the Lord's not with you, it's not as satisfying. But when the Lord is with you, man, you can go have the greatest meal ever at Shoney's today. I don't know why I said Shoney's. I haven't been there in years. And God bless the people cooking at Shoney's today and serving there. You, you can have the greatest meal at Waffle House. I know those things are open. Because the, the Lord is with you. The Lord, the Lord is with you in all things. Who has your commitment? Who has your commitment? Now let's go to verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. How many know the Lord, when he gets involved, he does things you can't do for yourself. Making your righteousness, verse 6, shine like the dawn and your justice like the noonday. That's the highest point of the day. Like you're shining, you're bright because you trusted the Lord. You've committed your way to the Lord. He is first in your life. He is before all things. And that doesn't mean that you don't care about other interest anymore. Those things don't come before the Lord. He is involved in those. He is Lord of those. He is, he is your ruler. He's over your recreation. The Lord is Lord of your recreation. You don't recreate and exclude God. He's Lord of your travel. He's Lord of your music. He's Lord of your hobby. He's Lord of your family experience. Some of us have idolized family experiences so much that if our kids don't show up at a certain holiday, we go to the depths of despair. And that is not where the Lord wants you to be. You're there to serve your family. Serve them and be so likable that they don't want to miss being at grandma's. Instead of guilting them into it, just, make, just be so cool that they're like, why would I miss out on going to grandma and grandpa's? I know it doesn't always work that smoothly. There's multiple families involved in those things. But my point is this, is don't, don't make that the source of your happiness, source of your trust. That's, you're not, it's, it, it sounds so good to say, I'm committed to family. Yes, you're committed to the covenant because we are covenant people, but we're committed to the Lord. We, we don't put family before the Lord. We put the Lord first and look what the Lord will do. He will prosper your families in way, family in ways you can't imagine, ways I can't even imagine yet. Here's the last question. Who is your help? Who is your help? Let's go all the way down, down to verse 39. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Now remember, this is the answer to envy towards the wicked. So instead of having envy towards the wicked who are prospering, verse 30 and 39 says, the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. Their refuge in a time of distress. The Lord helps and delivers them. He will deliver them from, wicked, from the wicked and will save them because they take refuge in him. The Lord, look at verse 40, the beginning, beginning of that again. The Lord helps and delivers them. You don't have to envy those who you think are prospering 
when the wicked prosper, you don't have to fret or you don't, you don't have to have an emotional downturn because your help comes from the Lord. Your help doesn't come from your best customer. Your help doesn't come from your boss. Your help doesn't come from the government. Your help doesn't come from a future inheritance. Your help doesn't come from the bonus structure. Your help doesn't come from the physician. Your help doesn't come from the medicine. Your help comes from the Lord. He may use those things, but those things and those people are his servants to bring about his good to your life. Your help comes from the Lord and your God is not limited. Your God, his, his arm is not too short to reach down into your situation. And so he sees where you're at and he sees where you're going. Someone else you can see in your peripheral vision, you might want to envy them and look at them. Hey, they're on their own race. They're at their own pace. You've got a path in front of you. You have a God who sees you, a God who knows you, a God who's charted out your path, a God who's going to take you the distance, a God who's not going to let you down. So why should you worry? Why should you fret? Why should you focus and envy someone else when you have a God who has a great future for you? He is with you. You know, in the, the days of, of Jesus, there and, and even these years when this, these Psalms were written, uh, there would be a yearly pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And as people would near Jerusalem, they would look up on Mount, Mount Zion where, when the temple was built at the time the temple was erected. And they would know there, up on the top of that hill, is where the presence of God is. That's the direction we pray because we know the presence of the Lord is there. Now we know that the presence of the Lord is here in our hearts and it's here, it's with us. But I want to read to you one last Psalm today. And I want you to go ahead. And if you're able to let's stand together, it's a Psalm that's familiar that those who were approaching Jerusalem and they were looking at the temple and they were looking up high on Mount Zion and they knew it was a place where the presence of the Lord is. They would sing Psalm 121. I lift my eyes toward the mountain I look up towards the temple. I look up towards Mount Zion where the presence of the Lord is. Where will my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. Your protector will not slumber. Indeed, the protector of Israel does not slumber or sleep. The Lord protects you. The Lord is a shelter right by your side. The sun will not strike you by day or the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all harm. He will protect your life. The Lord will protect your coming and going both now and forevermore. Hey, listen, I know that we deal with envy. I know that that's a reality, but that's not the place we're going to stay. We're going to rise above envy because we're going to lift up our eyes to somewhere higher, to someone higher. I lift up my eyes into the mountain and to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the presence of God. My help comes from the Lord. He's not going to abandon me. He is with me. He is with us. I don't have to envy when someone else seems to prosper because my God's taken care of me. My God God's there for me. My God will not abandon me. My God's going to give me everything I need to be the man or woman he's called me to be. And because of that, I can run my race at the pace God's given me because he is reconciling all things. That means my story is part of his story for all of the earth and for all of eternity. So Father, we praise your name for that. I pray today, Lord, you would just begin to rain down encouragement from the Lord. Rain down encouragement from the 
the Lord. I want you to hear this today. Psalm 37 is not just a passage that I picked out. It was part of a system I use of picking scriptures to preach. But I want you to hear this today. At a time in my life when I was extremely discouraged, God gave me Psalm 37. He said, Psalm 37 is for you, Aaron. And I've been praying that scripture for years now. And that scripture has been feeding my spirit. And so I'm going to tell you this today. I am not just preaching a nice little sermon to you. There's an impartation today. Listen, I know that I can still struggle with envy and I'm not about to suggest I'm not, uh, I'm not victim of envy here and there. But I wanna tell you this is that with the Lord's help and with the truth for Psalm 37, it was a transformational scripture in my life that I'm not gonna look to a brother or sister or another family or another, uh, another group and envy them because my hope is in the Lord. My trust is in the Lord. My help comes from the Lord. He is part of my story. He's part of my life. And I want to speak this encouragement over you. I want to speak an impartation of you that the Lord's going to set you free from the spirit of envy. I'm telling you, this is, this is a preventative message. It's going to prevent you from losing an opportunity that you may step away from. It's going to prevent you from um, eliminating a relationship. Some of you are envying someone. God has a sign to be a brother or sister to you. And because there's so much envy in your life, you can't receive their friendship. You can't receive their wisdom. And the Lord is saying today that instead of envy, there's love. Receive from them the gift that they are. Receive from them the gift they are. Don't eliminate them because you have envy towards them. You are not to judge them. You're to love them. The Lord is making all things right. The Lord is causing all things to come into order. The Lord is is making all accounts be measured up to the standard that he wants to. And he is seeing your life. And he says, you don't belong in the pit of envy. You don't belong in the mire of envy. You are lifted up, lifted up to the place that he's called you to be. So Lord, we receive that today.